I've been waiting patiently for this. And I want you to look in my face and remember me because I'm your new best friend. That lady right there, Miss Hensley, was my, look, no, right here, Miss Hensley, raise your hand, the librarian was my second grade teacher. She's the reason I'm a ferocious reader to this day. There's nothing I'm gonna say right here that's gonna change your mind about anything because either one, your Greg Abbott's pawn sent down here to destroy the largest district in this city so we can turn it over to the privates and the charters like they did in New Orleans, or you think you really know what you're doing and that we don't, and that might be a little scarier. Why are you taking teachers and principals and whoever to Odessa? Why they not going to Dallas ISD? Isn't that where you came from with a stellar record? That is my former school board representative right there who I voted for to do a job, to hire the superintendent. Were you ever in the running? Did they ever call you up to come down here? Why weren't you ever an option? Where's your resume? Because I see the smugness in your face and I hear the facetious little answers. I'm not gonna be certified, I'm not gonna... Is it really about student outcomes and student approaches, or is this about your ego? Now that I've lost my democratic ability, let me be clear with y'all, y'all have lost your democratic ability to make decisions about your children's education. I can support teachers. Teachers don't do this job to get rich. They're not showing up to make a million dollars. And to stand over them in script lessons and, and treat them as if they're not professionals. Let me be clear, teaching is a profession. They go to school and get a degree. They also take a certification, something that you haven't done for your own career. My major question is, when are you leaving? My second question is, when you ultimately fail us, because you will, I, I can guarantee it, how do we then get you up out of here? Because I will be leading the charge. Because I don't know these people who have been appointed to represent me and my children and my community. It's the reason you didn't get yourself out there and run an election and win. This is an attack on our city because we are Houston, Texas, a big blue dot in a very red state. We are being punished. If you want to get into this fight and you care about these kids, you care about these communities, go talk to Ruth Kravitz. Because when you leave, it's going to be us picking up the pieces. That voice you heard was Lauren Ashley, a Houston area activist and parent. Um, attending a city council meeting with Mike Miles, who is the new superintendent for Houston Independent School District. Miles was handpicked by Mike Marath of the Texas Education Agency that announced it would take over the Houston Independent School District earlier this year. In this takeover, along with appointing Miles the superintendent of ISD, nine new board members were selected, meaning that people's democratic ability uh, to elect their school board representatives were thrown out the door. While on the outside, Republicans in the Texas legislature and various roles across the government will say that this is an opportunity to revamp Houston's independent school district and uh, maybe bring them up to speed with some of the other school districts across the state. The question that we all should ask here is what's really going on? As I talked about in the first episode of this podcast when talking about Misha Manor in the state of Georgia, we have to examine and look at the idea of what is a failing school. How much of that is tied into the No Child Left Behind standards and curriculum that were uh, presented 20 years ago? And how much of that actually tells us what students are and aren't learning? The center of this movement, or at least the school that's being pointed to as the precursor to this state takeover, is Wheatley uh, over in the Fifth War community of Houston. 
Wheatley, since 2019, has actually improved their students' academic performance, receiving a C on the state accountability rating last year. The Houston Independent School District earned an overall B rating with a score higher than 611 other Texas districts, including Dallas. This is per the Texas Observer. Yet, despite this, the Texas Education Administration says that Wheatley's past failures uh, are the reason why they have chosen to disband this elected school board. Some of Wheatley's struggles include the opening of a preparatory school uh, in 2011 called Yes Prep Fifth Ward Secondary School. This was the charter school that was designed to essentially take uh, some of the highest scoring and highest performing students and nurture them, so to speak, to be prepared for college and academics beyond. Um, this also coincides with Mickey Leland College Preparatory Academy for Young Men, which also opened down the road in Fifth Ward. Um, there's a citation in the article that uh, Donnie Walker, a high school teacher at Wheatley, says that you could kick a ball in the backyard of Yes Prep and it'd probably land in our football field. That's important to note here. Like I said, magnet schools and charter schools can choose which students they would like to pull in. So even if you're not talking about racial segregation here, you are as a magnet and a charter school taking the highest performance students out of the public school and then leaving the public school with their, uh, with their fewer um, allotted funding because some of this funding is being trimmed off to go to these new preparatory schools. You're leaving them with less money to assist students who are not performing as well. At the same time, these schools are also have to pay for uh, their fixed costs, so like building maintenance and just out everything that comes with maintaining the school itself. And then, then, your public schools still have to follow federal laws in order to receive additional federal funding or to not deal with any kind of lawsuits or challenges coming from the courts. But what you have here is a uh, perpetuating cycle, one that continues to repeat. Schools are underfunded. They get blamed for being underfunded. Therefore, money goes to these charters and preparatory schools, which then turns around and decreases funding for the, for the public schools. And so they get worse and worse and worse while these preparatory and charters are looked at as the way to go. But again, mind you, the preparatory and charters are still running off of private school requirements. So they're not required to take in every student like a public student is, a public school is. Obes Nabuara is a dear friend of mine, first and foremost, but he's a first-generation Nigerian-American who's running for Houston City Council in an at-large seat. He's a member of the board of directors for the Bayou City Art Festival, which is the longest-running festival in Houston, entering its 51st year, a University of Houston graduate, and a Texas resident since 2009. I actually met Obes like I did a lot of other political activists and representatives through Twitter. Um... Obes and I have followed each other for years now, and anytime there's something going on to Texas, he's one of three people that I'm usually looking at and being like, okay, what's going on here? What is this about? Um, so I was very happy to be able to sit down with him and chat about this and have him give me some background of what exactly is going on in Houston and what are some of the things that people can do to kind of keep an eye out in their own places. Because I, I don't actually put it in our interview, uh, in this piece that's coming up, but one of the things that he said to me before we really got started is, if this can happen in Houston, which is the third, fourth largest city in the United States, this can happen anywhere. And it's really a cautionary tale of why we need to be paying attention to things like our school boards um, and the importance of our state legislature giving people like Greg Abbott the power to do what he's done. Obes, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you, man? 
I, I'm great. I'm great. It's great to hear from you. I'm glad that you've taken a few minutes for me to bump around with my microphone and talk with you this afternoon. But you're somebody who is is active in the Houston political scene. Um, and, and so I figured that this whole story would be something that's right up your alley. So let's just kind of start with like the top down perspective. What is Greg Abbott doing in Houston? What what is where did this come from? Like the political background of what he's trying? Okay, so um, for people who don't know, Houston and then the larger Harris County, which is where Houston is, Harris County is the largest county in Texas. Houston is the largest city. So for the longest time, this was the Republican stronghold in the state of Texas, and therefore the Republican stronghold in the United States. Since 2018, though, not just Houston, but Harris County has been pretty solidly blue. So you had the 2018 election which was led statewide by Beto O'Rourke, which was, I believe, the last election when we still had straight-ticket voting. Beto O'Rourke's campaign dragged Harris County blue. So Harris County swept every single uh, countywide seat. And with the exception of a few judicial seats that were lost in the 2022 election, I think every countywide seat in Harris County is held by a Democrat, which is a huge departure from even 10 years ago when all those seats were held by Republicans. So... Republicans had already lost Dallas County, which is where Dallas is, as you might imagine. They've already lost Barry County, which is where San Antonio is. And they long lost Travis County and El Paso County, which is where Austin and El Paso are, uh, respectively. So Houston and Harris County are really sort of like their last-ditch effort to maintain power statewide in a sustainable way. Because right now they've got all of the smaller municipalities, and then they do a lot of things with um, voter ID and voter suppression to maintain their advantage statewide. But what they're doing is not sustainable long term. They really need to flip Houston back to be able to do that. And because they can't control Houston by winning elections here in the city and in the county, they've resorted to trying to control it from the state legislature. And that really is sort of the genesis of what you've seen with the state takeover of um, Houston IHD, Houston ISD, and then also what's called the Death Star Bill, which um, prohibits uh, local municipalities from passing ordinances that go above state law. The Death Star Bill that Obes is referring to here, also known as the House Bill 2127, is a bill that was passed earlier in 2023 that prevents municipalities from making decisions that supersede state law, essentially. While the bill's stated purpose is to, quote, return sovereign regulatory powers to the state where those powers belong, end quote, the bill itself seems laser-focused at a small group of progressive ordinances that are working to protect workers and tenants in places like Houston or Euless, where there was a battle over forced overtime uh, with a company in the area. I'll save details on that for later. So one thing that happened, not just in Houston, but in Harris County, if you recall during COVID, um, we had mask mandates. I think most people would agree that wearing masks during COVID was a good thing to help protect people, not just from contracting COVID, but if you had some kind of illness to help protect other people from you. But that was really like a big dog whistle for a lot of conservatives and Republicans in, in the state of Texas and beyond. So I feel like they used that as sort of a means to an end to try to justify some of the things they already wanted to do anyway. But I think, I think the biggest thing is that um, Lena Hidalgo, who was the Harris County judge, which is kind of a misnomer. She's not a judge at all. That's just the name of the chief executive of Harris County. And then Mayor Sylvester Turner, 
and then Mayor Anise Parker before, I guess to a lesser extent, Mayor Anise Parker, but Mayor Sylvester Turner have done things to try to, you know, continue to move Houston into the 21st century in a very progressive fashion. And, you know, they, they used that power as they saw fit. And our state legislatures, legislatures, especially Greg Abbott and Dan Patrick, our lieutenant governor, didn't like that. So as a party, the Republicans moved to use their power at the state level to try to undo a lot of things that those two did, those two being Lena and uh, Mayor Turner. But the, the school board no longer has power over the school district. The, the state has, as you said, effectively taken over and they run the day-to-day operations and they make all the decisions on how the school district runs down. Situations like this can feel powerless if you're a citizen of Houston who has voted in every election, been active, attended school board meetings, only for the state to come in and basically say, nope, doesn't matter. But still, there are ways that you can push back, as Obes explains. So there been a number of rallies against the HISD takeover. I, I attended a number of them. One thing that happened recently, so the, the new appointed superintendent, his name is Mike Miles, who, he was a superintendent of Dallas ISD, and they ran him out. He saw an opportunity with this new state takeover of HISD to try to, I guess, regain some footing. Um, one thing that he sought to do recently, take some of the libraries, some of the public schools and transition them from being libraries to being a disciplinary center, which in effect would also mean that a number of librarians would be fired. So there was a rally yesterday to push back against this action to, to protect public school libraries. I was also at that rally yesterday. So there, there's been a number of things that local citizens have done, that different organizations have done here in Houston to fight back against um, this, frankly, tyranny by the state, um, sort of dissolving our abilities to govern ourselves in this way. Because I think one thing that people have to, to keep in mind is that school boards are elected. Right. And then the school boards then are who appoint the superintendent. But as a result of the school board appointing the superintendent, that means that the superintendent is effectively elected by the citizens because they're the ones that elect the school board. So the state has decided to take that power away from the city of Houston. And I think it's part of an, an overarching and larger plan to do away with public schools in general in the state of Texas and make them all. A charter or private schools. I'm going to take a second here to make a key point that uh, Mike Miles, who we've been talking about, the new appointed superintendent for HISD, is CEO of Third Future Schools, which is a charter school group. And this takeover of the ISD feels very similar to what happened to New Orleans with the charter schools that emerged post-Katrina and what's happened with Memphis, Memphis City Schools slash Shelby County Schools with the emergence of charter schools in that area as well. The sad and kind of depressing thing here is there's no real direct political action that people can take in terms of voting. However, uh, there are things that people can do to disrupt what's happening now. And Obes explains through his campaign, what are some of the things that things like a city councilman can do to assist the people of Houston with this issue? So unfortunately, there's, there's no direct pushback that the city government can have over the state's takeover of our largest school district. Um, unfortunately, uh, we do not have any um, jurisdiction over the school district. What we can do is advocate um, with those who are pushing back against the takeover. And we can also work to create programs to replace what has been taken away by the state. So there, there is, so there, and so in one instance, 
there's not as much as you'd like to be able to do. But on the other hand, if you can get creative and work with other local entities, there's a lot that you think you can do. Thank you to Obes Nabar for his time. If you want to learn more about his campaign and ways that you can assist him in the city of Houston, you can go to Obes, that's O-B-E-S 4, F-O-R 2, spelled out T-W-O, dot com uh, to learn more about him. All right, so that's largely going to conclude today's episode. But before we go, I want to make sure that we recap a few things and really hit the major points on what I want you to focus on. Let me unequivocally state that just because a charter school exists does not automatically mean that it's bad. I think it's important to point out that context because there are some charter schools that don't focus on making a profit and actually want to center the student beyond the limitations that public schools provide. The reason public school limitations exist is because we don't fund them properly, but that still doesn't mean that every charter school is bad. It just means that in an ideal world where public schools are funded the way that they should be and ran the way that they should be, charter schools wouldn't need to exist. That being said, the bigger point in picture here is about local policy and the role that it plays. Greg Abbott and the Texas Education Administration had the ability to do this because of their majority in the Texas legislature. Yes, their majority exists largely because of gerrymandering. The gerrymandering exists because they've been able to take power and hold on to power through a myriad of different ways, whether you want to talk about voter suppression acts and things of that nature. But it's why it's important for the work that people are doing, like Stacey Abrams did here in Georgia, along with Nse Ufa, and others who've gone on the ground and put in petitions and knocked on doors and made sure people understood the importance of voting at every level. The Houston ISD is not unique in terms of having a state attempt to take over or sort of circumvent what a city or county is trying to do. Obas mentioned the Death Star law that Texas recently passed. Georgia did the same thing during the pandemic when Brian Kemp overrode any kind of mass mandates that uh, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms wanted to implement here in Atlanta. And it's important to remember that this is largely happening because Republicans are losing influence and control overall, right? Georgia recently went blue in the most recent presidential election. They did reelect Brian Kemp by a healthy margin in 2022, but by no means does that mean that it's still red state. It's more purple. Gwinnett County, the second largest or second most populous county in the state, recently went blue in 2020 when it came to all of the county positions that were up for grabs. So county commissioner seats, county board of education seats, and those were also retained in the most recent election. You're also seeing city council seats in places like Lawrenceville, which is the county seat of Gwinnett, electing Democratic council members. So these things are important to remember. The pressure is being put on them. It must continue, and it must continue in a number of ways. So as we get ready for the 2024 election cycle, which is the main reason why I wanted to restart this podcast series, it's important to remember that the small elections matter too, and they affect you more than anything else. So yes, it's important to make sure that the gubernatorial elections, the presidential elections, and the Senate and U.S. House of Representatives are things that you pay attention to and you make sure you send representatives that represent you. But it's also important to remember that your school board is going to have a more direct impact on you. So I hope you've taken something away for this and you've been able to look out for some of those signs that may be happening in your state or your county in your area. 
and you start getting active and working with people. Uh, if the spark is already there, which it should be for, for in, in most areas, find a way to join it and find a way to get involved. Look for working family parties events. Look for local county party events. Anything that you can. And we must not lose hope, but we must continue to remember how hard of a job this is going to be for us to make sure that we get what we need and what we want for our kids. That's going to be it for me today. Please make sure that you follow us on Twitter at the KWC blog. You can follow me directly at Eagle Eye 1906. And please make sure you check out his website, OBS, O-B-E-S, for T-W-O, Dot com. And that way you can look at his campaign, see what he's running for, and even contribute if you want to. As always, stay active, stay engaged, and we'll see you later.